Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinus. Makalua. The main team. Mega Bears fan. With guest co-hosts. We've got a yellow blight, and I think that means we're live. Okay, hello and welcome to Polycast episode 341. I'm your headache-ridden co-host, Canis Albinus, and I'm joined today with Makalua. Uh, who needs caffeine before not having headaches or something? Me and team. Downgrading my OS just to upgrade my sound. And Mega Bears fan. Lifelong migraine sufferer. I sympathize. As do I, as I am also a lifelong migraine sufferer. It's not migraines, it's another kind of headache, and it's probably just as bad. Oh, oh boy. We are at least well acquainted with the experience of the headache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of headaches... I've been trying to read this patch list for Civ 6 in preparation for the show, and like, my goodness, this patch list might as well be called War and Peace, because... <laughs> they weren't kidding a, when they said it was 12 pages long. Yeah, it, it's a doozy. I was only about halfway through the balance polish stuff before the show actually started. You know, usually I expect to see, you know, a patch note, you know, without like an expansion or something having just released like a few weeks ago to be like, you know, maybe 10 bullet points. This is like probably a hundred bullet points, maybe more. To be fair, it was four and a half months ago that it was released. Yeah. Oh, oh was this a... It was February 14th and it's now June 29th. Oh, oh, the expansion, not the the patch. Yeah. I'm like, this says June 2019 patch. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, I expect like something this big for like, you know, the 30 day patch but it's been a little bit more than 30 days. So was not expecting a doozy like this. Anyway, what's in this patch? A crap ton of UI stuff. So hopefully Phil will be happy about a lot of that. Uh, And some new features and balance and polish. So, you know, big new features. We've got some new World Congress proposals, public relations, 100% more grievances for the target player and other players generate 100% more grievances with the target player and this is complicated or the target player generates 50 fewer 50 percent fewer grievances and other players generate 50 percent fewer grievances toward the target player in other uh, words if you tar- if they target you you either get twice as many grievances for and against you or half as many yeah whether you vote like for one you know way or the other yeah so a way to try to get everybody in the world pissed off at some other civilization who has pissed you off or which you're hoping will piss you off so you'll have an excuse to go to war with them. I wonder if the AI is smart enough to know that if you orchestrate this thing against them that they should be mad at you. I doubt it. <laughs> that might be I mean, putting just, that might be putting too many different AIs together. Yeah, does the AI even know who it was that like proposed things like emergencies against them or like, are they just like, oh, all these people are at war at me. I dislike them all. They should be, but they probably aren't. Because I know yeah, that it, I know that in Civ Five there was that there was always the debuff. You know, you um voted against us in the World Congress, and in right, Civ Four they had you have negotiated a trade embargo. So they should know. Praxis definitely has the capability of programming that in. Right, and they've done it in previous games, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in civ 6 i don't think i've ever seen an ai like leader pop up 
and be like, hey, you declared an emergency against us, you jerk. I don't even think I've seen it generate grievances against them. But maybe I'm just not looking. So what else do we have? We have an espionage pact that either buffs spies or makes you unable to perform certain operations. So I guess, yeah, you use this when you're trying to prevent enemy spies from sabotaging all of your spaceports. Or filling your land with artisans. Yeah. <laughs> Things I do to the AI, what? Possibly <laughs> something that might might possibly have needed to be balanced, but maybe didn't get balanced. Which, uh, as of Gathering Storm, is something that I've actually been able to do because the AIs actually build neighborhoods now. I had never seen that until either the last patch for Rise and Fall or the release of Gathering Storm. So, yay for actually being able to use all of the features of the game. And then the last new proposal is Military Advisory which gives all units of a specific promotion class plus five combat strength or negative five combat strength. So a way to nerf all of your opponents, you know, artillery or air units or something. I was going to say, if you do it late in the game, it's not going to help you with a GDR. That's not going to pull it down enough. Everything will, every little bit helps, though. What's GDR strength again? Uh, I, crap off the top of my head. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've yet to use one. You can't make them into armies and stuff, right? Right. So if you stack up well-promoted armies and then you hit them with something like that, that could actually make a difference. You might be able to beat hmm. them or at least get relatively even trades. I mean, I'm talking things like modern armor armies with like, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. When you talk about plus five combat strength, when a unit has five combat strength over another, it has a 25% bonus to do. Five yeah, looks like a small hmm. number, but it's not. See, things I actually didn't know about the combat strength thing. Well, yeah, 30 why. is, uh, around 30 is a one shot. 10 is, if you have a 10 combat strength advantage, it really hurts <laughs> the enemy like, yep. a lot. Yeah, that was something that threw me off for a long time in Civ Six as well. Since yeah, I don't it's not think a ratio. It's always like ten, yeah. being like 80 over 70 is worth just as much as being 10 over or, or uh, 15 over zero. Right. Yeah, it does not take the absolute combat strengths into consideration. It's only the difference in combat strengths. Yeah. And that difference is the same throughout the entire game. So, yeah, something like all the bonus for oligarchy is, you know, good for the entire game. It's not like, oh, this is going to be overwhelmed later in the game and not useful. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So that's all the Congress proposals. So there's also a new request for aid type. If you have over 200 grievances with the civilization that declares war on you, you can now put up an emergency request for aid for other civs to send you gifts of gold or the aid projects. Did we ever figure out, does being given and does being the recipient of the aid project actually give you anything? I think it's money. Yeah. Okay. You do get something. I hear it's a healthy chunk of change, too. Okay, so yeah, that's nice. You know, some jerk warmonger suddenly declares war on you. You can actually, like, ask for help through the New World Congress system as opposed to having to hope that you can just get other people to join in on the war. Although I would assume that if they're willing to help you on this emergency, they'd probably have been willing to do the joint war with you anyway. So not I sure don't know. Not, not necessarily, because the one time I've seen it in action, it didn't matter that they didn't like me. They really wanted to win the aid contest. They wanted that. Oh, they wanted the that. Points. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I guess if they're looking for other things besides, you know, if they're just looking for the rewards yeah. of an aid type, then that might be enough to tip the scales in your favor. So, yeah, that could be very useful. One more check on warmongers in the game. Uh, yeah. And, and then actually, we've got... It actually just means that when the 
Warmonger kills the target civilization, they get more money. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's intent, and then there's, you know, in actual practice. So If you give that money to a human, it might actually change the tide of the war, but giving it to an AI, yeah, it's just going to be nice loot. Yep. And it is really nice on Deity to take money in wars, for sure. Especially since, yeah, especially since the AIs are not particularly competent on coordinating a war effort, nor are there any game rules or mechanics that allow multiple civs to coordinate in a war effort. Like, it'd be really nice if you could, via some diplomatic mechanism, tell all of your allies who are in a war with you, hey, attack this city or defend this part of the map or something like that. Hey, they have lots of mounted units. You should build anti-cav units, things like that, where there's just some light level coordination that can go on between partners in a war. Let's see, what else do we have? There's the world builder is enabled by default now. There's a new, as a UI change, there's a new unit abilities tooltip. So if you highlight over the unit portrait, you can now see all of the unit's abilities instead of just the promotions that you've given them, which is going to be very nice. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, I haven't had a chance to play the game with this new patch yet. I've been playing other games for the past few weeks. Does this include things like experience boosts that you have for, say, having built the unit in a city with a barracks or whatever? I don't know. I've been going to the hospital every day, so I don't know. Mm. All the news is good, so it's uh, not bad, so don't worry about that. Oh, okay. With my uh, Windows trolling stuff, I have not played a lot either, as in not at all since the patch drop. So Mackie's the only one who's played any of it. <laughs> and even off the top of my head, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those kind of subtle things I might not notice, you know? It's also or, one of those things that I wouldn't notice because I don't build encampments very often, which is why I die frequently. <laughs> well, there's other things. There's certain civ abilities and stuff like that. It's just something, because right now there's no way in the game to tell which of your units have those buffs and which ones don't, and it's really annoying. So I'm really hoping that they've at least included that. Well, before and, this uh, patch, it didn't matter because they always did disappeared on upgrade anyway so oh that's true i suppose i think they fixed that finally though so what else do we have something about a diplomacy ribbon thing where you can see the yields for all players i'm not even quite sure what this have you played with cqui at all there's an option where the tab at the top where you see all the leaders faces on the main screen they're underneath their names it lists their yields like what they're getting every turn. Oh, you mean like their science per turn and culture per turn yeah. and all that? Okay. And it, it shows up on the ribbon and stays there. Like some of the old Civ 4 mods that would show that stuff if you had enough espionage. Okay. Well, that's cool, I guess. That definitely sounds useful. We also have a new power lens, which shows which cities, I guess, have power and how far the power extends. So that could be helpful. And new labeling for bodies of water. So... Mediterranean Sea appears every time. I actually played a game recently where the Pacific Ocean was like a 12-tile inland ocean lake thingy. Was it a Seven Seas map? No, it was a, it was a game that I'd... So it was a play-by-cloud game that had I think that we had just started playing right after Gathering Storm came out, which is currently broken because we started the game with a couple small UI mods active, and this patch broke those UI mods, and now we do not have a functioning mini-map in our play-by-cloud game. That's so, a problem. Yeah, so... Lesson learned, kids at home, do not start 
play by cloud games with any mods on because you are just asking for a patch to break the game or at least wait until civ 7 comes out because at that point we know they're done with it yeah on a regular multiplayer game where you might be playing the game off and on for like a couple weeks or you know if you're real lucky over one game session then yeah okay cool unlikely that a new patch is going to come out but these play by cloud games we started it right after gathering storm came out and we're around turn 80 yeah that's about one turn a day about yeah we've been doing multiple turns a day for like the last couple weeks so it's been picking up pace a little bit the big thing was for whatever reason steam was failing to notify us when we had a new turn waiting so we'd go like a week without playing anything and then i'd text my friend and he'd be like oh yeah steam didn't tell me sorry i'll just load that up now and play my turn it's like oh thanks steam that's helpful no it's like twitch notifications then maybe it gives you one maybe it doesn't yeah right usually it doesn't (laughs) it it was pretty good but there was just every now and then you know like i said we'd go like a week without either of us playing because neither of us knew whose turn it was and then you know after that it would be working fine so i mean i can't go through every single bullet point here so i'm gonna try to look at like the ones that stand out to me and if any of you see something that stands out to you you know bring it up maybe maybe one some of the the rest of us should share the thing because you weren't here last week when we went over most of the stuff in the pre-patch notes oh okay so we didn't know about the chateau's adjacency wonder bonuses doubling at flight that's new i do have one question though about the the canada thing wasn't there a patch already that buffed production on tundra hills for canada so is this a did they give them another buff yes okay so they're so now now, like... now they are just as good as planes okay it says 25 diplo victory points that's not correct that is a typo it's only 20 in game is it a game speed thing maybe no scored competitions now end one turn before the world congress meets so there's not all that stuff happening all at the same time getting 25 oh, thank you I, uh, getting 25 notifications send aid project now goes to all ongoing emergencies instead of just the one that is most recent or whatever was happening before and vote ties at the world congress the winning player is now determined based on the player has which player has the least remaining favor rather than just player id oh i didn't know that's how i was doing the tiebreaker so yeah i think that's how like all tiebreakers have worked in civ 6 and i think also in civ 5 it's just whoever whatever player is first in the turn order you know gets the thing first yeah i'm pretty sure that was how it worked in civ 5 with like if two civs would complete a wonder on the same turn the player in a single player game would who is always the first player in the turn order would always get the wonder and if you were in multiplayer then whichever player is first in the turn order would would get the wonder even if you were playing, I think, on the, you know, synchronous turns, there's still a turn order. But you're forgetting Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law states that any wonder that is being built by the human player will always be completed by the AI one turn before it. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does seem like an accurate interpretation of Murphy's Law. And it also looks like they give the player, I guess, a bunch of free diplomatic victory points if you reload an old save file after installing this update so your old saves in which you were going for a diplomatic victory are not completely hosed by the fact that they've doubled how many points it requires or halved the number of turns remaining yeah era score now scales slightly by game speed i think we saw that on uh, i think quick mode it's 11 points to get to a non dark classical era which is down from 12 so doesn't seem very significant but it's better than nothing i I was gonna say considering the number of times i've missed that first one by like one or two points actually yeah particularly in the beginning most of this era stuff we've been through already for great people great person points from holy site prayer project now count as excess points and generate faith instead of just 
being useless. Yeah, that definitely falls yeah. into the category of it's an about damn time change. Yeah. <laughs> As it turns oh, out, know. any great Pearson from any class that no longer has any available will give you faith at a one to one ratio. And then I think at least I'm getting something now. Map generation changes more decrease the number of one tile mountain tiles on archipelago maps by about 15%. Not sure I noticed that as being a problem, but I've never played an archipelago map. Allow coal to be on woods and aluminum to be on rain tiles. Thank you very much. And more woods on tundra. Thank you, says Canada. <laughs> Several buildings have had their costs changed. It looks like the walls have all been increased by five points. Uh, it looks like they mm. went. Oh no, they went down five by points. five points. Mm. It's written weirdly here. Basically, any building available after the Renaissance costs less. Get more stuff in the late game, I guess. Then there's a list of buffs to buildings, workshops, armories. Get three production now instead of two. It looks like all of this stuff we talked about last time. So yeah. for those for those of us, those of you who didn't listen last time, shame on you. Also, shame on me for put, posting the, the YouTube version of it just this morning because I'm very bad at my job. It will, You've had stuff going on. You're forgiven. Yeah. Either way. Tier 3 buildings now support specialists at a higher yield per citizen rather than just being the same as lower tier buildings. The power plants now give an extra production per citizen working in that tile. Those slight buffs to tall, which we all should shun and avoid. Also, and about damn time change. But like, you also, you just get more benefit from the late game stuff. There's a lot more production in general from these changes. It's like these things are all going to interact with each other. So you get more productive tiles and more stuff from buildings. Big question will be, will this be enough to actually make specialists worth using? No. Probably not, but we'll we'll see. (laughs) Only if your yeah. population is high enough that you have no tiles to work. Right, well, in which case you're using them anyway, and hooray, you get more benefit from them. But, like, am I actually going to take a citizen off of a tile in order to work as a specialist in one of these buildings? And I'm not sure if just one more yield is going to do that. Probably I... not, since they also buffed the tiles. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I have been told that it is not optimal to grow cities, so... Not to that extent. I mean, you do want to grow them enough to get several good districts and work your best tiles for sure. Yeah, but when I want to grow a city, it's got to be size 25 by the end of the game or I'm unhappy. So, which is ridiculous because it doesn't matter, but... I I can't help you with that one. Especially since even the production-based science victory is no longer based on production, but rather based on a timer. You do also get some decent chunks of era score for growing your cities pretty large, so it's not completely futile. Well, it also lets you build things really quick. Quarries, pastures, and lumber lumber mills have been buffed to be similar to mines. Thank you. Lumber mills no longer have river adjacency? What? That's what? That makes no sense. That's I mean, I I realize in the modern times there are lumber mills that are nowhere near a thing, but uh, you're usually building lumber mills back in the days when it would have been built next to a water source to run uh, efficiently. Maybe they just didn't want to, like, make them ridiculous by having all this stuff still apply to them. That makes sense, actually, because with the only time a lumber mill was ever better than a mine was when it had river adjacency, so... Looks like they also changed the tech requirement for the lumber mill, so I Mm. thought it used to be under... Was it always under construction? I thought it was later than that. It was machinery, wasn't it? I think it was machinery. Yeah, Yeah, it was machinery. In the medieval era. I guess that makes a little more sense, because they don't want to hand you too much extra production early. Well, personally, I think it's better because they should have had lumber mills available that early in Civ 4, but they didn't. Yeah, they were real late in Civ 4. Replaceable parts. Yeah. That's a little ridiculous. It was often requested to put them on machinery, but they never did it in Civ 4. 
Antoninario suzerain bonus is now capped at 30 plus 30 percent culture instead of no limit is a really good idea civics and techs post medieval and renaissance are more expensive but we're talking about a pretty small number late atomic era cost increase is about 80 not a lot increased anti-air strength of naval units to be on par with increases made on aa units on land desperately needed Bursar now needs niter and now needs iron instead of niter cavalry now needs horses instead of niter cossack needs horses instead of niter and hussar needs horses instead of niter also nuclear submarine no longer requires a uranium per turn kind of wish these units would just require both resources like you know five of each instead of ten of one what this does is it basically takes all the different resource types and gives them three units each yeah which is a good thing for balance i think reduced upfront resource costs from remaining unique units from 20 to 10 look that's a good thing, I think. It makes it easier to make them even if you don't have as many resources. Or an army gold purchase costs now and take into account 25% production bonus discount from Military Academy. Oh, well, thank you. That, that That's good. When you're yeah. sitting there and buying a few armies near the end of the game. Yeah. Military engineers now can contribute production to flood barriers and aqueducts. Huh. Why not dams? I thought that, I think they were already allowed to do dams. Are so they, they added... Okay. Flood barriers and aqueducts. Battering rams and siege towers no longer work with cavalry units. Must be melee or anti-cav. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. They did the same thing in Civ 5, and it's just stupid. Because now... Like, there's almost no incentive to ever use cavalry in it. Just use melee. Medieval and recent Renaissance walls immune to battering rams. Renaissance walls immune to siege towers. Now, if they buff siege so that it's usable before artillery, that's different then. Because then you can just use the artillery to knock out the wall. But it doesn't look like they did. Because yeah, this no, is all, all under the unit section. That's about all there is. Although, there's... They really seem to have a hard-on for making it easy to defend yourself. Like, without investing significantly in defending yourself. Part of that change also, they buffed anti-cav considerably yeah which i think was enough on its own honestly like that was the main problem with cavalry was that their counter unit didn't counter them because it wasn't strong enough drag and drop functionality seems to have been allowable by toggle on the front end what does that mean and yeah map- dragon dropping what is that referring to the thing with the great work screen maybe that might be it yeah because that's the only that and like maybe the production queue are like the only places that I can think of where you might use drag and drop. Add a notification for when the player earns a diplomatic victory point. Implementing previous results for resolutions in the World Congress. Basically tooltips added to resolutions when the same resolution comes through. Giving a player an idea which one everyone voted for last time and what the likely result is now. User interface option to always open the production queue even when the queue is empty. Open directly to the production queue if the city has any items currently queued. Nice, that saves yeah. it. There's some, yeah, there's some there's some nice usability here. The Pantheon chooser is changed such that the player can see the map when choosing which Pantheon to use. <laughs> Another about damn time change. Religion screen style designed to take up or show more data and waste less space. Yeah, it was confusing the first time, but that's actually great because you do have the thing. Oh, I can actually see what I've got around me, but also it's over here, not blocking everything else on the screen. At least you were allowed to able to close it and, and then come back, look at yeah. the map and then open it again. Like it like closing it didn't cancel your ability to found a pantheon. Looking at you, Civ 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Text tool tips for power plants now show how much power is used rather than how much is being generated. I think it should have showed both, personally. Yes, since both are useful pieces of information. Added espionage missions to the Spy Civilopedia page. Thank you. 
Add terrain, add terrain and feature defense modifier for the Civilopedia. Also includes movement change in the terrain section. Fix overlays not being cleared unless the map updated, enabling map search results on minimap and full map. Right click to close full screen movie based pop ups and historic moments. Thank you very much. I'm I'm sick and tired of having to go up and click on that stupid button every time a mo wonder finishes. And it's the natural wonders that bug me the most because they just show up and there's the flashy screen and I have to move my mouse and click up and I just want to right click. Yes, I am that lazy that I don't want to move my hand four inches to move my mouse that far. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of players who don't even know that that button's there because it's pretty small and in the corner of the screen, very easy to miss if you're, you know, not looking for it. On the policy panel, slightly wider cards allow for more room to avoid many text overflows. GDR is now renameable. They changed Gitjahara and Coupe's colors so they don't conflict. Ah, there you go. I am a little bit frustrated that the barbarian notification apparently is only for barbarian camps that spawn near you. I would like that just to be if a barbarian spawns anywhere in the fog of war. That actually was the mod that I had installed that broke the minimap on my Play by Cloud game. I had a mod that gave me a notifications when barbarian encampments appeared. <laughs> I do like knowing where the barbarians are, so that then I know whether I need to ignore them or I need to go kill them. Because if they're over there on the other side of the AI, well, that's their problem. Well, and especially if they still have that little, because they've always had in Civ Six that little sound effect, right, that plays whenever a barbarian outpost spawns anywhere. Yeah. So if they still have that sound effect, but they don't have the little notification, I'm still going to be scouring the map to try to find where the barbarians spawned. Yeah. Because it, it also, it might be near, like, where I'm about to, you know, move a scout or something, you know, or where or near where one of my traders is going. Or you so, had a settler had it headed out that way. Yeah, right. Like, I just, I want to know. I Like, I could understand there maybe being, like, a different icon or, like, a more a more important notification when like the barbarians are spawning right near your cities, you know, like maybe with like a big exclamation mark over it or something. Well, they but do. I there's that one sound that plays that I had no idea what meant for years and years. And then there's also the barbarians approach pop up button on the side. Yeah. If one of their units actually gets near your cities, but if I could see if the encampments or the outpost spawns like within five or 10 tiles from your city, maybe there's a different notification than if it spawns, you know, a hundred tiles away out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But I would still want to know both. Looks like anyway. they updated the AI quite a bit. They gave Matthias additional alliance favoritism so his Hussar unit doesn't suck. Eleanor's alliance favoritism has been fixed so that it actually works properly. Coupe has been allowed to settle his own cities further away from himself so that he doesn't get Iron Island locked. Was there a limit on how far away AIs would settle from their capital? Because I keep seeing them settle all halfway across the world next to my capital. I always, I had always assumed that they would just be looking at like loyalty, and if the loyalty was too negative, then they wouldn't settle there. So yeah. I, I would have thought that that would negate the need for like a hard coded "do not settle this far away." Well, Although even then, I saw the AI settle into my loyalty pressure sometimes. Not it, often, but I saw it for sure. It could also have they've put a limit in there so to have the AI keep its cities closer to itself, so it could support it in a war if something was going on, instead of having those tundra cities out in the middle of nowhere they can't defend or something like that. I suspect that might be a holdover from vanilla before loyalty existed. Yeah, that would be my guess as well. Although why they wouldn't just remove it, I don't know. The World Congress, the AI has been taught how to use the new resolutions, which apparently is not a given. <laughs> <laughs> The AI now offers aid every 10 terms at three times previous value. 
I guess that means that it won't be offering you aid every three turns now. Oh, but I like the extra money. But it gives you three times as much trade. So you get larger offers of gold every 10 turns instead of okay offers of gold every three turns from every AI in the game during aid was, requests. Was there a leader screen pop up for every time you were given? Yes. That, that makes sense then. Improve AI vote prioritization, looking at all available resolutions for in, in a given World Congress. Adjust the AI so it doesn't regularly overvalue some resolutions. And don't choose great people for patronage resolution if they're no longer available. Thank you. I mean, I, but I, I'm not. I'm not particularly <laughs> interested in a great profit patronage in the atomic era. In the atomic era, yes. yes I, I mean, I I could see maybe if you're doing that just to like de- to deny the benefit from everyone else, but then I guess you should just take the you know minus fifty percent on something. Yeah. I mean, maybe you want all the great people for yourself, but you don't want to give bonuses to other players, so you pick a great person that's not available, so you're not also nerfing yourself. I guess maybe would be a reason you would do that. Combat and operations AI changes. The Huacha has been updated to remove siege designations, so the AI will use them properly. Will it actually still use them as siege units as well? Well, I don't think they're supposed to be used that way, though, because they, they, so they take a big malice against cities. Well, if they're considered a regular ranged unit, then they'll probably be used for sieges like on par with you know the AI using archers and crossbowmen. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That should be a pretty strict improvement compared to what the AI has been doing. So, yeah. okay. Improvements to city defense tree when trying to get units into defensive positions. Improve religious units' understanding to retreat from stronger opposed religious units. <laughs> Fixed a bug in tactical ranged unit use when attacking non-guarded combat districts. So apparently the AI will now target your encampment if it is not garrisoned, which it apparently would not do before. Mm. Mm. Encampments still have defense when they're they have the walls if you have if you have the walls active. Yeah. yeah. They all they still have defense values too. They do. Yeah. But the AI wouldn't attack them if there wasn't a unit in it because of a, apparently a bug. Okay. Oh. Improvements to operational movements around mountains and other terrain. Hopefully this means they won't start jumping in the water when they're right next to an enemy city. Barbarians now raid again as opposed to not raiding because of a bug. The AI now uses the correct stockpile limits when deciding how much of a resource to trade, which means they will no longer offer you zero resources to trade. (laughs) (laughs) I had never seen that particular bug, but okay. The AI will no longer trade away resources they don't want if they have not enough to... uh, Okay, this is worded weirdly, but what it says is, if the AI has a strategic resource that it needs slash wants, and it has less than it needs to make a unit, it will no longer undervalue it and trade it away. So apparently, previously, if the AI was trying to save up resources to build a unit, they would give those resources away because they didn't it's not have enough having yeah. because they don't have enough because the AI they're trying to save it. The, I'm guessing what was happening was the one AI was not telling the other AI, hey, idiot, we need this resource. Don't trade it because one of them wants units and the other one is worried about trading. So, right. It, it was basically thinking, oh, we can't use this. So it's, you know, not very valuable because we got to be Even- we got to be clear here. Every civilization is actually a collection of like 20 different AIs working together. So that's why all these are listed under things. There's the there's the tactical AI. There's the strategic AI. There's the city AI, the trade AI and all that stuff. Just like a real government. It's so lifelike. They don't all <laughs> get they don't all talk to each other. Also, just like a government. Fixed a problem putting together peace deals when they want to return a city. Trade for strategics up to double what is needed, then stop. Makes for consistent valuation. Don't let AI try to trade resources that would take either side beyond their stockpile caps. 
Don't mm-hmm. count both sides of the deal against the amount. This was causing deal amounts to go negative in some situations. How? Why are you why are you why are you counting both sides of the deal against the amount? Unit combat analyzers only check for hostile major powers. Makes all of oligarchy less favored when not at war with majors. Inner ring and total yield scoring change to use all yields rather than just production and food. This makes the AI a bit more aggressive and expand more quickly. Don't send non-combat great people to scout the civilization they're at war with during gameplay. Oh yeah, like the note side, they're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think that was a that was a, a strictly positive thing because great people can't die. Yeah, and, we talked yeah. about that before on the show. I think. Yeah. I mean, it was it was common practice to send out great admirals as explorers in the old days in Civ Five. No, yeah, I, I would see the AIs doing that, and I, I would think back to Civ Five rules, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, the AI in Civ Six is so stupid. Why would it do that?" And then eventually, it was pointed out to me that, "Oh yeah, they don't die. They just go back to like the nearest city or the capital or yeah. whatever." And I was like, "Oh, touche AI, touche." Okay, and now there's a large section on modding, which will be talked about in Modcast, I'm sure. Not in the upcoming episode that comes out either last week now or this week, but in the next recording, which will probably be in a few months or so. We'll let them talk about it. They know what they're doing more than I do about this. What is PERF? P-E-R-F. I assume that means performance. Ah, that would be a good way to put it. Graphical bug perform graphical performance improvements and multiple miscellaneous check-ins to reduce memory allocations. Yada 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 yada. So hopefully the game will run slightly faster and look slightly better. Allegedly. Oh, apparently all the environmentalist modifier agendas were reversed as a bug. No. Oh. So so the the ones that wanted no wanted to protect the environment were destroying it more than the ones who didn't. That's amusing. Royal Navy Dockyard now applies the plus one naval movement bonus to as an ability so it does not disappear when upgrading. Air units now use now correctly use their standard movement range instead of embarking embarked range when based on aircraft carriers. Okay, so aircraft carrier planes now actually work. Maybe. Fix, yeah, fix air units, fix rebasing air units if the t- rebase target is the current base of the air unit. If the base was full, it would think it couldn't rebase there. Rebasing in the, to the same base is done when the air unit is requested to return to base. Okay, so when you set the unit on, you know how the, the option has it go and fly over a certain part of territory? Mm-hmm. When you wanted to bring it back to base, you couldn't because it was full. Even though the unit was technically based there, trying to stop its its action would make it think it was trying to move there and it was full. So Add a very simple concept to the parent-child relationship to the appy side unit system. This is to fix the ugly look of an aircraft carrier moving with its cargo units as cargo. So, like, you don't click on the aircraft carrier anymore and just see the planes instead of the aircraft carrier? Is that what they're saying? I think it also means that when you move the aircraft carrier, it doesn't leave the planes there until the aircraft carriers quit moving. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it might as well not even bother rendering the planes, you know? Unless you're doing something with them right in that moment, yeah. Right. Well, but if you're moving the aircraft carrier, then you're not doing something with the planes, so... Yes, that's true. Air units now properly have an unobstructed view instead of being blocked by terrain features. Oh, boy. Wow. Units marked as air domain no longer increase city strength values. So no more building a my modern anti-SAM or anti-air unit and having that increase your city strength. Or oh, okay, rather, so that's for anti-air I think that, units, I think that means a bomber. air units. I think that means air units. I think I've got that wrong. 
Yeah, because you could stack them in the city, right? Because the city would support like four of them or something like that. And I think each one of them would increase the city strength, maybe. Fixed a bug preventing aircraft from deploying if based on an airstrip. That means airstrips can be used now. It's been so long since I've used an airstrip. Last time I did use one, it did work. Well, you so. can use it to bomb units from, but if you're sending it out on a deployment for like oh, air right. coverage. The little thing where it, it just flies around in circles. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier with the... Yeah. The AI actually knowing or when it's trying to return to base. Gotcha. Unit changes. Fixed the issue with Hungarian Hazar not requiring horses. Removed the melee class tag from the GDR so it doesn't get a bonus versus anti-cav units. Why? Uh, yeah. I mean, the GDR is already going to kill any anti-cav unit, so why does that matter? Was... Yeah, that seems hmm. kind of strange. That's... Yeah, I was trying to think of a situation where making them try to do that, but I'm like, uh... Well, I guess if a GDR is fighting a helicopter. Or an army of units, maybe. Yeah, and a helicopter army might be significant to it, actually. Yeah, that might... Fixed a unit with the Jong not properly re- working properly with Press gangs in international waters. What is the Jong? Is that a ship? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Is that the Indonesian or? Yes, Indonesia. Yeah, Indonesia. I haven't played them in a long time. I had to think. I was like, I know this unit is familiar. Let me think. Which one is it? (laughs) Fixing the naturalist model to staying behind after the unit is destroyed to make it park. Oh, so no more phantom naturalists? (laughs) Ooh, the ghost of the national park. Wait, if you had the Rockefeller great person, it didn't need you to, re- to improve strategics? Because that's what it says. They updated the text so that it states that. Yeah, what did it say before? And, like, what did it do? I'm thinking it did the same thing. Like, it's that's the one that gives you a, an, an oil resource. Yeah. But I guess it means that all oil resources in your territory now did not need to be improved to give you the stuff. I'll have to test that. So it did both, but the text only said it did the first thing? Yeah. Okay. Make sure all unit layers, including the spy layer, are checked for units that need to be displaced from a submerged tile. Make sure you cannot start a new wonder on a tile with coastal flooding. Make sure submerging merging tiles properly wipes out the Great Wall. When sea level rise consumed a wonder or great district, sometimes the incorrect wonder or district would be removed from the map, leaving the submerged version in place. Mm. For example, a neighborhood was submerged, but a different neighborhood in your empire was removed. Ugh, <laughs> uh, the card face palm time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Fixed an issue that could cause a black screen to appear when human player is defeated and multiple pop-ups were present. Disable the settler lens if the settler is killed. Made failure text for damaged walls. We now display text explaining the prerequisite or wall type that must be repaired and the number of turns before the walls can be repaired. That would have been helpful. In the peace deal, they'll add a return or seed city as well as right-clicking existing cities and trade deal to switch them out. That's nice. That way you don't have to cancel the deal and restart it. Oh, okay. Fix some issues, some fixes to prevent players with negative score from gaining rewards in scored competitions. Overflow error, I suspect. Fixed an issue where players were being injected into ongoing emergencies. Oh my goodness. That no could means be pretty, yes. That could be pretty <laughs> bad. God. <sighs> Reinforced materials from the Governor Liang now prevents damage to city walls and city HP from disasters. Yeah, that would be good. Sometimes those floods, it's like, yeah, oops, no, your city has half HP. I hope you weren't at war. Power plant resources now consumed in proper order, i.e., Uranium is most efficient, therefore is used first, and then oil, and then coal. When playing the Black Death scenario in Hot Seat, a new plague icon appears on a city banner every turn the city has plague. 
We need to do a study on those, actually. That'll be some first-party content sometime. Just make everybody Playing play... the scenarios? Make everybody play one of the scenarios sometime during the two yeah. weeks. Oh, gonna give us some homework, huh? Yeah. <gasps> homework? I thought I was done with that. Go home and play your video games, or you fail the course. <laughs> oh, you're the worst teacher ever! Depends what game they make you play, to be fair. Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we're going to marathon Dark Castle until you can beat it under five minutes. I hope you're good. <laughs> That's it, guys. By two weeks from now, we will beat the Absolute Radiance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I have yet to do even in eternal time. Anyway. I need to get back into that. Slow down the map search to do tr- at most 35 tiles per frame instead of 128. This prevents us from hitting worst-case map search times that make the game unplayable at the expense of or so are your search results. Modders can only always return that if they want to. Yes, because modders are good at breaking games. Question mark? <laughs> modders, if you'd like to break the game again, feel free. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Liberated players who return to the game no longer have to build their own palace. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that explains why liberated players never did anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit, yeah, holy crap. Fixed an issue where civic boosts amounts were not accounting for era bonuses or penalties. Civics can be cheaper more cheaper or more expensive when they are outside the current game era. Tech boosts were doing this already as intended. This led to where this led to a case where earning the boost to near future governance civic, a ninety percent boost, would grant the whole civic, even with proper prerequisites had not been retained. Make the demand tribute work for the human whether or they can view the AI as friendly, unfriendly, or neutral. Fix city-state clumping problems when generating the map. Thank you! Yay! <laughs> yes, all the city-states over here on this one continent, just like how the barbs, all over here on this one continent. That's fixed too, thankfully. Yeah, that was one was fixed very early. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the city-state thing is ridiculous, because that keeps happening in multiplayer, is that one or two people are by all the city-states and nobody else has any city-states near them. The very first multiplayer game that I played with Gathering Storm, I was playing as the Maori, and I found a continent next to me where all of the city-states and all of the barbarians were on that continent. And the friend that I was playing with was on (laughs) another continent, and he's like, where are all the barbarians and city-states? And I'm like, oh, I found them. I have all of them over here. (laughs) all of them. Every single one of them. All of them. Oh, that would have been funny. Fixed an issue where large amounts of culture overflow could apply more than once to increase domestic tourists if this was used to complete more than one civic. Culture converts culture only converts into domestic tourists when applied to researching a particular civic, and that amount is now capped at the cost of the civic itself. This means that overflow will no longer be counted more than once toward tourists, but also that the increase in tourists may be spread across multiple turns as the overflow is applied piece by piece. So when you finish the moon landing, you don't get a big boost to the number of tourists and win the game by culture. Uh, Unintentionally. It just slowly starts climbing instead, instead of a burst bonus. Yeah. Well, it made it... it, what, What it's saying is, you get increased tourists every time you get a civic, and if you get more than one civic from an overflow, it would count them more than once. Because it would count all of the tourists or all the culture available on the first civic, and then whatever culture had not been consumed in the second civic, which would then give it multiple uses for the same culture. Eh, okay, double tapping, sort of. Yeah, fix a trading issue that would allow you to give a gift of negative resources to the AI, essentially giving a gift that grants their stuff back to you. Now, to to anyone here who has any idea. 
or develops for Paradox, this is an actual exploit, not the so-called <laughs> exploits that you consider exploits. This is an actual exploit because it literally uses a bug to make the game do something it is literally not supposed to do. Not because not- it's using the mechanics to do something that you weren't expecting. Yes. Not you're having too much fun with this game. Stop it. <laughs> yes. And for the last point on this list, fix the Panama Canal movie not moving through the day cycle. I guess that's the only thing they changed in the art this patch. Fair enough. The other art isn't really what the- needed the help, to be honest. So I'm fine with <laughs> yeah. that. Well, other than the you know general graphics performance improvements that they've Well, yeah. okay, but that's not really art per se. Yeah, true. <laughs> and now my throat hurts. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was a doozy of yeah, a pack. You guys read for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I lose all the stuff. It's great. Oh, who's up? I've... Me. Oh, no, wait. Okay. Yeah. The undocumented changes. I got to find where the hell that tab went to. This is probably something I should have written a summary post for because none of this is actually in the original post. Is there a note that tells me which ones are undocumented? Unless it's... I, I think the big ones were that the Mercantile City State buffs now give bonuses to both the commercial hub and the harbor in, in half amounts instead of just giving you to golds and markets, gold, banks and markets. That was a big one. Melee units getting a plus 10, or I'm sorry, let me start that again. Have units get a plus 14 to mounted units now instead of just what it was? Let me see if I can find this one. That was a big one because it was like, oh, they're going to actually destroy oh the 20 percent penalty bonus for penalty or bonus from having text either one era before or one era after the rest of the world has been removed i'm not sure i like that one i've i've mixed feelings about it like i'm not a huge fan of rubber banding mechanics but at the same time it it, it was like a non-obstructive way to keep people relatively close to each other and it mirrors the fact that technology does diffuse in reality, so it had some flavor to it as well. So I don't know if that was... I don't know if I agree with that change. Because if someone's really far behind, like, they're already out of the game. And they were probably out of the game even with that penalty. So it's... It, it, it was not sufficient rubber banding previously to merit removing it, in my opinion. And plus, slowing down the leader also. Like, if you're winning by more, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that would let someone who's winning space win faster, but space isn't really the fastest uh, method of winning anyway. I kind of liked it, but it's not a huge deal either, either way. Okay. So here's the thing about anti-cav units. Anti-cav units now get plus 14 versus mounted. That means that spearmen no longer lose to horsemen 1v1. Spears now obliterate chariots at plus 11, which is a 55% improvement, as in 55% damage boost. Pikes now hit knights for 7, which is a, I want to say, a 45 bonus. Pikes and shots skewers knights for plus 20, 21. And yeah, pikes and shot, yeah. Pikes and shots now hurt couriers at plus five, which is a twenty-five percent boost instead of just one. See, this is all we really needed to do, and then mounted didn't need to be nerfed further. Well, they they ma- I think what they did was they nerfed both battering rams and mounted at the same time. Yeah, I, I think also people should have cheap. to build units to defend themselves. Personally, I, I think that should be a thing. Nuclear submarine apparently no longer requires uranium at all, except to build it initially or something. Not or? even then. Huh. So it's not a nuclear submarine anymore now, is it? Well, (laughs) yeah, what's nuclear about it? Come on, we need a token amount of uranium just to account for the reactor. Geothermal fissures no longer disappear when a city is settled directly on top of them. 
This means their science and adjacency bonuses for campuses do not disappear. Which means also that the Hungarians can add a thermal bath, bath next to any geothermal fissure that they settle the city on. And that's about it. Not a lot of undocumented changes that are worth mentioning. I mean, there's some stuff about if you are playing as Carthage, no, Anisha, it's Dido, same person. If you're playing as Dido and you capture an English city that has a royal dockyard, the royal dockyard disappears. And if that royal dockyard had a lighthouse that was pillaged, when you would take that city and build a Kothon on the same tile, when it was finished, you would have a pillaged lighthouse there still. <laughs> okay, the whole area disappeared, but there's still that's just kind of crazy. Well, I think I think when you capture an English city with a royal harbor, it's supposed to turn into a regular harbor anyway. Yeah. I think that's a bug that may, that has a hilarious reaction when you have somebody else with another harbor. Also, the siege tower was moved to machinery. Interesting. So Where right did along it used with to be? The, I it, was in, it was the same one that gave you those military engineers. It was on that tech. Yeah, so machinery, you'll make them a, a bit earlier. Well, they'd have a lot to, earlier. Yeah. They need to be a lot earlier because they're useless against Renaissance walls. That's true. I never liked them anyway because like the cities can keep wailing on you while uh, you're using them. Compared to the battering rams, which actually destroyed the city's ability to shoot back. Yeah, I always preferred the battering rams over the siege towers anyway. Well, then did they change the effect of the siege tower? Because I, I think they also said that the battering ram upgrades into the siege tower now. So does, yes. the bat, does the siege tower now do what the battering ram did just against medieval walls? No. I don't think so. I think they're the same as they were. Also, this is not a strictly undocumented change, but... Because the light cavalry unit class now doesn't use niter, it means that horses are now useful until helicopters. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was undocumented, but it is notable. Or at least they would be useful if you had a way to remove city walls. I mean, yeah, you, you could try to build catapults and bombards and then use cavalry, but that's that's pretty weak. That's <laughs> a pretty mildly. Mostly because the siege units don't really work in their designed role until artillery. Yeah, maybe the fact that anti-cav can protect them better will change that. Who knows? That's not the issue, though. The issue is that they are bad against cities straight up. Yeah, they usually die in like two hits. So you move them into position and then you have to spend a turn setting them up. And then they take a bombardment during that turn that usually reduces them to around half HP, depending on the strength of the city, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. And if it is a little bit less or exactly half, then you literally cannot fire with that catapult because you have to retreat it you have a general if you have a general you can move and shoot on the city so that helps problem is these are still relatively production expensive units that don't have a good pre-upgrade path so you can't get them too easily plus on top of that they clog up your pathing so like in contrast to a battering ram which can follow your army and take up the same tiles as your army this is now going to block three, four hexes of yours by three, which you could have had units, either archers shooting the city after the walls were down or archers shooting other units to kill them or, or just more units so you could swap out what's on the front, something that's full health versus something that's damaged so you don't lose units. Now that option is gone and you have a unit that's really flimsy in melee, actually pretty crappy against the city's attack itself, even though it's intended to counter the city, and really has no use case until you're near the city. It's a significant liability unit in that way. And on top of all that, I think at some point the AI was changed so that they actually prioritized targeting siege weapons because it used to be 
that you could just move like one melee unit up and let it take damage, and then the AI would focus fire the damaged unit, and your siege weapons were free to just come in behind and bombard the city with impunity. But now I've noticed that even with a, a melee unit adjacent to the city with like half HP, once that siege unit moves into range of the city, the city will stop attacking the melee unit and attack the siege unit. You know what would help them if they don't want to give them free range? It's just to give them a huge bonus against uh, ranged units. Yeah. Because that would be reasonable, too. That's what they did in Civ Five. Yeah. And it to worked. To give the city a huge bonus against ranged no, units? To give, to no, give... the, the, the siege units. The siege class. That way you can't just take the city attack and kill the catapults. You have to actually, like, get rid of the army to, to take out the catapults. Which you still have an advantage doing, mind you, because the catapults can't really hurt your units effectively, but your units can certainly hurt your enemy frontline units. So this is still a huge defender advantage. It's not like it takes that away, but it makes the catapults less junk when you're attacking a city with them, which is their only role to where they're supposed to be worth anything. Hashtag, can we please have trebuchets? <laughs> trebuchets. <laughs> I had a game recently where I was playing as Hungary and I levied a city state that had like three or four catapults. And then you get the plus two movement and the plus five combat strength. And those were actually really nice catapults. Yeah. Again, if you've got a great general with them, they're okay. Yeah. But they're just so outclassed by alternatives that they're not worth building. Because I, I think with the extra movement, they can move and then set up in the same turn. There is shoot, no setup right? in Civ 6. They, you just have it's or, based yeah. on your movement remaining. But right. you can move and shoot. Yeah, if you have general. any extra movement at all, I think you're able to, to yeah. shoot. So yeah, the Hungary ability where you can levy the city-state just gives it plus two movement. So yeah, those catapults were able to move into position and then shoot. And they had plus five strength. So that was nice. Yeah. And if you have enough promotions on siege units, they're pretty nice. So it takes so long to get that. Yeah, you almost have to like kind of farm against barbarians to get to the I think it's a level two promotion that gives them a bonus against ranged attacks or just a general defense bonus. I think they get that at the tier one promotion, but then they you start getting damage bonuses as you go down one of the paths. For against cities or against units, depending which side you go. Then the final unlock is plus one range, which makes them a lot more usable. Conclusion. We need to build catapults with barracks and armories and make them actually useful. Well, you're not going to have armories building catapults, most likely. I thought armories yeah. came halfway through the catapults life cycle. Maybe, yeah. If you're, if you're not just going to go for bombards, yeah, I guess. But what kind of cities are you going to attack with these catapults then? You're just going to sit on them, I guess, until you uh, can upgrade them to bombards. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not going to break 50 strength cities in practice. I think the city strength based on the strongest unit might need to be adjusted a little bit. You know, a lot, maybe. Uh, completely. But <laughs> They could just make it so that you need to build units to defend yourself. That would be useful. And, and I mean more than like one or two units. Yeah. Or just make that a function of the walls rather than inherent to the city. Well, they, made, guess, but... they made the ranged attack part of the walls, which was a good step. But then they made the walls too strong. These super buffed walls are so unnecessary. Like It was already major defender advantage anytime you had somebody attacking another Civ. If the other Civ had units still and they were contemporary, 
and they were not like complete trash at controlling their units, it was actually really challenging to do anything offensively. You're probably going to lose units without killing enemy units. But on top of everything else, the defender has vision advantage on top of its positioning advantage, the city shot, maybe the encampment also shooting at you, and the fact that the city could shield some units from damage, all those things combined, you also had vision, so you could see where enemies are to plan your attacks better. And after all that, we needed to buff walls more? Come on now. Make people put a unit or two next to the city so you can't just smash it down. And that's all you needed to do to defend yourself. Yeah, one of the most shocking adjustments when I've gone back to playing Civ 4 after having played Civ 5 and Civ 6 is having to remember that enemy units can literally just walk into an undefended city <laughs> and capture it. Yes, particularly about... relevant to barbs in that case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the most jarring thing for me is when you remember the fact that siege units exist to be suicided in large numbers against stacks. <laughs> Yes. Right. Well, and, and, and to remove city defenses because yes. that was pretty significant. Well, plus sixty percent or more is really painful to attack into. So getting rid of that was very nice. And it still feels like that's how siege weapons are used, except that the <laughs> game has fundamentally changed around them. <laughs> yeah, that's like a good they, point. they still feel like one-shot missiles. Like seriously, like with using siege weapons. And it was, a, it was a little bit of a problem in Civ Five as well, but even more so in Civ Six. They feel like the cruise missiles from, what was it, Civ Five, right? Missiles. Yeah, I Civ think 4, both yeah. of them did. Yeah. Civ Five yeah, had that, missiles too. I never used I, them in Civ Five. Well, but. they weren't That's, needed because you had, you had bombers and bombers. Yeah, bombers and artillery and battleships that can shoot at like four range. To be fair, um, they were also bad in Civ Four. <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's how I what I feel like whenever I use a catapult in in Civ Five and Civ Six is I feel like I'm just using the cruise missile from Civ Four, <laughs> a very 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 expensive cruise missile. Now Civ Four Siege did have access to the City Raider promotion line though, so if you had a tech advantage, you know, or even contemporary tech with good promotions, you would not lose many of them attacking a city. To be fair, could you, you promote, lose a couple? Could you promote guided missiles? Because that would be funny. No, you could not. Aw. I want to promote my ICBM. <laughs> I don't think you could promote air units either. Like, they didn't have anything like that. Promote not your ICBM four. into a planet buster. Oh, no. Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little a little tier one planet buster. Come on. Can I turn my interstellar star mission into a death star? Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. We got we to use the Galsiv terminology. The terror sphere. Not even joking. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but still, it's like really terror sphere is the best you came up with. I mean, death orb would be better. Orbs of fire. Apocalypse orb. That would also work. I mean, apocalypse sphere. There you go. To me, after playing dungeon crawl, orbs of fire sounds scarier than any of this. Screw those things. Orbs of fire are scarier than lasers that can blow holes in planets. Yes, because I've played dungeon crawl. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't had the chance in real life to, you know, actually get aimed at by a death (laughs) laser, so... Oh, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't feel that one long. <laughs> With my luck IRL, the Orb of Fire would just constantly freaking malmutate me into some eldritch horror, and I'd have to live like that. No oh, thanks. video games. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely abandoning Skype next time. <laughs> just sitting here in random static. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's from anybody. It's a little bit of hiss. Uh, speaking of random static, this has been episode 341 of Polycast. Whee! 
Uh, I'm Maka Lewin. I'm joined as usual by Candace Albinus. Dark Souls 2 is the best Dark Souls. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> me and team. I might be inclined to agree with that, at least for multiplying. We'll see. You haven't mm-hmm. played Dark Souls 3, so you can't say that yet. <laughs> I, that's why I said I might. And Mega Bears fan. My favorites are still Demon Souls and Bloodborne. Well, I haven't played those, but they're not so- Dark Souls, so. Filthy heathen. They're still Soulsborne, <laughs> though. <laughs> I mean, Sekiro is great, but it's also too hard for me to play, so. Record date, June 29th, 2019. Civilization 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6, Sound Clips, copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright The Polycast at thepolycast.net.